There it is. Um, the roundtable question for today is, are you a stuffer or a purger? So uh, Nicole wrote this question, I believe, but um, it's when it comes to put, putting things away, be it in a shed, a storage room, or a junk drawer, do you typically just jam things into an already full space, or do you pull things out, purge what you don't need, and rearrange things so everything fits neatly? Um, I'll begin just, you know, lead by example. I feel like I lean more towards purging. Um, however, there's, there's a critical moment before where I realize that I'm stuffing things and it's not quite working anymore. And once I get to that point where I'm like, oh, this isn't quite working with the organizational system that I've got working here. Sometimes I'll just rejig the system. But often there's a moment where I'm like, ah, we've hit that point, need to go into purge mode. Um, but that's me and I'm interested to hear what everyone else has to say. So feel free to unmute and share or even comment in the chat. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. Sarah has said, stuff, then purge, then stuff, then purge, then stuff. It's complicated. I agree. And we've got, I'm going up instead of down. Uh, Megan says, guilty of being a stuffer within hoarding with hoarding tendencies. Oops. That is so okay. No need for the oops. Sounds very human. Uh, Tamara says, uh, Tamara is a purger and Devin is a stuffer. Josh says, stuff that stuff. Karina says, purge. Welcome to my life. That's probably why I'm like stuff and then purge. It's my parents have modeled to me how I do that. Uh, Jarrett says, purge, purge, purge. Rick says, stuff for quite a while until too full and the purge. Carol, same as Sarah. Shea is stuff and purge. Rhonda is stuff, then purge when stressed. Good noticing. And then Jesse is a combination. Anyone else? I feel um, entirely skilled at both. Um, I, I'm, I can put stuff away and stuff it until I open the closet and things start falling out and someone calls something like, are you okay? Um, and, um, but also I can be very skilled at purging and just like really going through it. I can say that I feel a lot better after a purge than I do after maneuvering the closet doors shut again. So that's mine. Well, I love even in that we're starting to notice our emotional states. Uh, I know when I first read this question, I was like, oh, it's not at all tied to my emotions. But even now, reconsidering, oh, that's interesting. And I love how, Eden, you've shared like what happens after that satisfaction that comes after the purge. Anyone else? Yeah, I love purging, but I feel like... Um... 
I always have to struggle with balance because my husband finds a lot of value in he's uh, like a woodworker. And so he loves, you know, all the small tools and interesting little things. And, and sometimes I will um, purge on behalf of other people. So <laughs> I have to really <laughs> rein it in and invite Jesus into those places in me and just um, let other people be authentically who they are and uh, keep my, keep my purging to my, um, yeah, I guess my stuff in a, in a mixed home. <laughs> Yes, thank you for sharing, Tamara. That is an excellent, uh, I don't know what it's like to be in a relationship that close, but that makes so much sense that you would come right up against the stuffing and the purging and that would create spaces for Jesus to come into, I'm sure. Well, thank you everyone for sharing. And as always, if you want to keep on reflecting in the chat section, feel free to do that. Uh, we are going to be moving on to Myrna now, I believe, who's going to be um, starting communion with us. And my name is Myrna, and my pronouns are she, her. And since this week is, well, Truth and Reconciliation, which should go on all the time, but the focus this week I've decided to read a bit from the First Nations version and uh, then comment a little bit afterwards. So it's the ceremonial meal of the chosen one. This is a sacred tradition that came from our honored chief, a tradition I have received and passed on to you. On the night that the creator set free our honored chief, Jesus, he was betrayed. He took some fry bread. He then gave thanks to the great spirit and broke the fry bread into pieces and said, this is my body broken for you. Eat it and remember me. In the same manner, when the evening meal was over, he took a cup of wine and gave thanks to the great spirit and said, this cup represents the new peace treaty brought into being at the cost of my lifeblood. Whenever you drink this cup, drink it to remember me. For until our honored chief returns, each time you ceremonially eat this fry bread and drink from this cup, you are retelling the story of his death and its full meaning and purpose. <clears throat> if you have not met me yet, um, it will take all of, 0.05 seconds before I start talking about Ukraine and Albania. Um, my son lives in Ukraine and I started a nonprofit in Ukraine that helps orphans age out of the system find homes. And in Albania, I work with a local church there. And the reason why I bring this up is because of those things, I end up going at least once a year, sometimes twice a year if I'm lucky. And each and every time I go, I buy souvenirs. And the people there, each and every time, are like, Myrna, what are you doing? You are Balkan. You are one of us. You do not need this. And they aren't wrong. Um, but I do need my souvenirs. I love my souvenirs. 
Because just like that passage said, it helps me reflect on the meaning and purpose of that trip. So for me, those souvenirs are kind of like communion, which is a symbol that helps us remember what the honorable chief Jesus has done for us. Broken body in order to make us whole, his lifeblood for our freedom. But the ceremonial feast or communion has an even more special component to it than my souvenirs because my souvenirs are just one dimensional. It helps me remember the meaning and purpose of the trip and all the special things about it. But communion has a specialness to it in that it's there's two components to it. First, we remember in faith all the honorable chief Jesus has done. And the second component is he meets us with his grace each and every time. Salvation for the lost, courage for the fearful, wisdom for the perplexed, belonging for those that feel lonely, acceptance for those who feel judged, and so much more. So when we eat and drink the cup together in faith, which is the first part, we receive grace to meet whatever is our truest need, which is the second part, both individually and as a community. So one of my questions today is, what is your truest need? Where do you need his grace to reach today? This morning, let's put everything out of our minds about the week where it was negative or stressful or frustrating or we feel we failed. All the things that make us feel less than. And let's remember in faith what the Honorable Chief Jesus has done. And expecting that he will meet you where you need him to meet you the most. So if it feels right to you, join me in taking the elements, the juice and the bread. And then remember in faith everything he has done. And to receive his grace where you need his touch the most. So join me in taking the elements if it feels right.
Good morning. Um, it's my privilege to introduce our speaker this morning and to welcome back Nicole Forbes to our Bridge community. Uh, Nicole joins us from Winnipeg, Manitoba, where she lives with her husband, Brad, good name, and their three mostly grown kids. Uh, so as we mentioned earlier, Friday was our National Day for Truth and Reconciliation here in Canada, for those who uh, re join us from abroad. And so we wanted to make space this morning to focus on this topic and um, the challenge within the context of our community. So Nicole is Métis, which if you're unfamiliar with that term means a person of mixed indigenous and Euro slash American ancestry. Um, what moves me about Nicole is her appreciation for this ancestry and how she wholeheartedly participates and celebrates the culture. Um, more recently, especially during COVID lockdowns, because I follow her on Instagram, um, I noticed that Nicole was using her sewing skills to create traditional Métis shirts and skirts to encourage others to proudly celebrate the, the culture too. Uh, Nicole is currently studying for her master's degree in intercultural studies. And I'm uh, looking forward to seeing how uh, what she has learned um, will be used. So I'm really looking forward to hearing what she has to share. I'm going to Stop with the intro now, but I am going to pray for you, Nicole, um, not because you need it, but because, you know, that's just how we do here. Um, so, Jesus, thank you for the gift of Nicole. And we um, we receive what she has to give us this morning as a gift from you. Help us to hear with a posture to change and a willingness to help. Amen. Over to you, Nicole. All right, thank you. Um, I'm very honored to be here and excited to share with you this morning. Um, so the question about stuffing and purging came out of, we just listed our house for sale and um, there was a lot of room for Jesus to work in our hearts during that, <laughs> that time. Um, my husband is is definitely a stuffer um and i vacillate between both what i have learned in the process though um i tend to stuff and then i get to the point of there is no room i have take great pride in my tetris skills of being able to fit a vast amount of things into a very small space but there comes a point where the closet doors won't close and then it's one of those give a mouse a cookie things. I put one thing away and next thing you know, the whole house is destroyed because I am cleaning out every closet and every drawer and the van is full of things to donate and the garbage piles overflowing in the driveway and people are coming to look at the house in 30 minutes and then we go back to stuffing because it all has to get out of sight. Um, but Morgan kind of hit the nail on the head when she was talking about you can only stuff so far. And then you have to purge. And so I'm inviting you into that moment today. This is not going to be a comfortable conversation for some. It's going to be difficult. It was difficult to write 
twice. Um, I <laughs> I told the gals this morning that I uh, threw out my sermon this morning at about nine, um, my time, and rewrote the whole thing because it matters that much that that I get this right and that I lead you and invite you into a journey to sit with some hard things. And so I hope that, um, you know, that I love you. And I did purge my sermon of <laughs> those low ends. Um, I love you and I honor the, and respect you. And I always feel grateful for the invitation to enter your community, whether in person or online. And because of that, I consider myself family. Um, you can ask Karina. I show up on the doorstep with all of the people I know and move into her house and um, make myself at home. And so that's what I want to do here. And as family, let's dive into some tough stuff. Um, and I know we're brave enough to do this together. So Randy Woodley is an Indigenous um, writer, author, speaker, mentor, elder, and he wrote, once wrote that we've got a whack theology because we start from a bad place. And um, that one weird little sentence has upended so much of what I, what I think and how I think. At, in um, my studies, I've been for the past year um, continually with one professor named Terry LeBlanc. I've taken every class he's posted and I think he might be tired of me, but um, he talks a lot about Indigenous theology and where we start from and how we see the world. And it is exactly what this thirsty soul has needed. And so Terry's talked a lot about creation and with September 30th so fresh and truth and reconciliation, such a common topic and yet deeply misunderstood um, thing, I just thought we need to go back to a beginning here and, and talk about the differences. When we look at creation stories, the Genesis story has actually two, and one is a seven-day account, and the other one is expanding on that, and there's some differences between them, but what happens is when we as an evangelical person raised in the church, that story has always been taught in a very concrete way. And the focus has often been on the quote unquote original sin and breaking of law and the consequences of that. And that God gave us the direction to dominate the earth. These are not themes that you find within an indigenous context. Our creation stories as indigenous people heavily focus on relationship and being in good relationship and how our relationship with another affects the whole. And so I actually have a, a folder with creation stories that I can forward on to, to the team at Bridge. And if anyone would like to see some Indigenous stories, creation stories, um, you can contact them and they can hand them off to you. But our stories depend on good relationship and the good relationship shows mutual care and respect 
and that there's a space for everybody how they come with their own gifts and talents our creation story um for me as a metis person with cree ancestry is about turtle island and the creation of turtle island there's we also have two creation stories we have original creation and then we have recreation after the flood and so the recreation story is about how sky woman wants to find a place of rest on the earth again but everything had been destroyed with water so all the animals that could swim or fly are doing their thing and they decide to find a place of rest for sky woman and they know that in order to recreate the earth they need a piece of the original earth and so um depending on who's telling the story there's different animals involved like the loon decides decides to dive deep into the water and to get a piece of earth to bring to the surface um the loon's not successful <clears throat> other animals try that are pretty showy and brave and you've got the beaver diving down there and you've got different animals taking a dive and nobody can make it to the bottom finally the muskrat says i'm gonna try and everyone's like a muskrat really and he's like yeah yeah i'm gonna give this a go so the muskrat dives down deep and deep and he's gone for a long time and all the other animals are going i don't know i think he's dead like we, he's been down for too long he eventually surfaces and yes he had passed but in his little fist was a ball of dirt and so the animals take that dirt and they put it the turtle volunteers to hold the weight of the earth and so they take that little dirt and put it on the turtle's back and then the four direction winds start to go and start spreading the earth and finally life grows and earth grows on the back of the turtle and sky woman can come back down to the earth and begin repopulating that story focuses on the relationship that all of creation have with each other and their desire to care for humanity they have they walk in a good relationship based on their each their own strengths and they honor the sacrifices of others <sighs> the genesis story when you read it yourself you can see a good relationship and you can see where god intended for us to understand the sacredness of knowing and being known but our westernized world um, too often focuses on the domination and control and push aside things like relationship we have forgotten what it means to be reconciled to one another with it just being national truth and reconciliation day our thoughts often first jump to the idea of indigenous people and non-indigenous people reconciling we don't like to sit with the truth too much it's uncomfortable and some people have the attitude well we've heard the stories we get it like let's move on and move forward and so there's lots of effort put into shows of relationship rather than authenticity oh am i still here okay um so there's meetings and gatherings and apologies and gift giving and orange shirt buying and all of walks and all of these things but then i stop and go has there really been progress towards meaningful reconciliation i don't know um the cynical me says um no but the hopeful me sees that hearts are being moved and 
that there is an understanding and that there's goodness coming from just the acknowledgement that things have been broken for too long. When I was invited to speak here, Eden sent me a little email with, just help me frame where you guys have been at. And um, she asked a question or gave me a question that can be sort of a guiding one. And it said, question was, what do I need to come to peace with? And I thought that was, it was weirded, worded weird to me. And I'm like, come to peace with? Does she mean come to terms with? Or does she mean make peace with? And so I went to the Googles and I'm like, well, what's the difference with those two things? And um, turns out to come to terms with means to accept things as they are or resign yourself to the situation. Where making peace with means that you become resolved to reconcile. Okay, so reconcile. What does that even mean? There's two definitions that popped up right away. And the first is a situation where two people or groups become friendly again after they've argued. That sounds very nice and churchy and it gives them warm and fuzzies. The second one says the process of making two opposite beliefs or ideas coincide. That sounds messy and difficult. But honestly, you cannot do the first until you've done the second. Reconciliation means to restore, also means to restore harmony, to make things consistent, and to accept something that's unpleasant. And folks, that's where we're going to sit for today. We are going to sit with some unpleasant things, um, some difficult things. It's going to be challenging for all of us. But I know that we are brave and I know that we're in this together. So let's go. In 1452, Pope Nicholas um, created a papal bull called the Doctrine of Discovery. It allowed Portugal to go out in the world and conquer and enslave Saracens and pagans in the name of God for the glory of God. In 1493 and 1506, that papal bull was expanded to include all colonizing nations and all peoples that they encountered who were not of the Christian faith. This wasn't just about land, but it was about the people on the land. These declarations from the church not only supported colonization, but entered or introduced the conversation about whether non-Europeans are even people. Do they have a soul? Are they human? Can they... Are they capable of conscious thought? And in the mid-1500s, another papal bull came out saying, well, yes, of course, Indigenous people are. But the seeds of the original Doctrine of Discovery had already taken hold. And we can see that by the way that that belief has snuck into so many areas of the colonized world. Colonizers like John A. Macdonald and Duncan Campbell Scott, who created our system in Canada of solving what they called the Indian problem that reaches into our very policies and, and structures and budgets from today. They, can, they created systems of oppression that show up still in our foster care system, our adoption programs, law enforcement and correctional facilities, our educational system, in our city budgets and our federal funding. And the church has been complicit in all of this. 
as well as creating our own policies and programs to help. No matter what denomination or tradition you come from, you're part of this legacy of the doctrine of discovery. Terra Nullius and the Manifest Destiny are a significant part of our history as Christians. This is not just a Canadian secular issue, this is a heart issue of the church. Let's just sit with this for a minute, take a breath, relax your shoulders, and take a moment to reconcile this truth within you. Let's go back to Randy Woodley. What is our whack theology? How has it shaped missions and ministry in your experience? Did missions and ministry speak value and dignity to co-image bearers you were meant to be ministering to? Did it make space to honor their cultural values and their humanity? Did salvation mean coming closer to Jesus or did it mean assimilating to your understanding and traditions? These are tough questions. I've had to wrestle with them myself. Yes, I am indigenous, but I'm also a good church girl who grew up being taught the importance of missions and ministry. But I know that my own core values were rooted in the doctrine of discovery too. I have had the best of intentions and I still caused harm. I have had a white savior complex and I have caused harm. I've promoted a tradition of faith over the humanity of others and I've caused harm. I've upheld ideals of simulation as gospel truth and I have caused harm. This is all true and I accept it. I have made peace or reconciled it. I have purged myself of the flimsy shield of good intentions and I own what I have done, what I have once believed. And I am learning, continually learning from past mistakes and making every effort to do things differently going forward. On September 30th, a local church posted a slide on Instagram. It was 2 Corinthians 5.18. And the caption called for prayer for those who have been hurt of things of the past. I had an initial immediate reaction to the post and I've had some big feelings and some significant thoughts over the last few days. I'm not going to get into all of that, but I'm sure you can probably guess where I land with things like this. Anyway, I decided to look up the verse and read the context around it. So 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 20 is where we're going. So, I have, so we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely as a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. The old life is gone, a new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God, who brought us, us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us the task of reconciling people to him. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. This is one of those passages that's really easy to read from the perspective of evangelizing others and putting expectation on others. 
inviting people into being new creations without recognizing that that it, this is about us. What if we read this from the posture of looking inward? What if Holy Spirit is inviting you, as she did me, into some good news, some relief, some peace? Can you reconcile that? So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view, how differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. No longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. Often our approach to ministry and missions is framed through a very human lens. Our own core beliefs and ideas for what a successful, meaningful life should be shapes us. It shapes how we approach ministry and missions. We establish programs and policies from this perspective. We have the best of intentions, but we do harm. We do harm to ourselves by this bizarre need to be the best, our best selves instead of relaxing into Jesus and allowing his good relationship to mold us. What if we were to look at this verse and be reminded that what we are seeing is not, is not meant to be interpreted from our own ideas and values and societal structure, but actually looking at another person as a co-image bearer of Christ with the same core value, same core book, ugh, value and dignity that God intends to wrap us in ourselves. There is grace here for us to learn and an opportunity to grow. So what do we need to make peace with? What do we do with truth reconciled? Because like I said, I feel like I'm in a relationship with your community and I love you dearly. I'm going to be super blunt. Not that I haven't already, but <laughs> non-Indigenous folks are really good at being sorry, at feeling guilty and crying. There is no shame in any of this unless that is where you stop. Your tears and orange t-shirts do not mean a dang thing if you don't put some meaningful action behind it. Own the history I've talked about today and feel the weight of grief. Then use your privilege and your influence to ignite change. What echo of the doctrine of discovery exists within your own church system and beliefs? What can you dismantle, change, or set fire to? What can you be brave enough to call out and loving enough to toss out? The gospel of Jesus is sacred. Our programs, practices, traditions, and structures are not. Before we can take even one step towards reconciliation outside of ourselves, we need to reconcile some stuff inside of ourselves and inside of our own church communities. This is the obligation and the mission the church needs to fulfill before we can start looking outwards into reconciliation. I know you to be a brave community committed to goodness, and I trust that you can do the next right thing. Thank you.
Thank you, Nicole. Thanks, Nicole. Um, I find the measure of um, someone's um, love and care for me as um, it is, is most profoundly felt when I hear them push back and challenge me to more, uh, to lay things down, to pick things up, um, to face things head on. And so um, thank you for that, Nicole. Um, I, I think you are exactly the perfect person to bring us this challenge this morning um, because we do have relationship because of how you define relationship um, and because of how, um, you know, one of the first things you said was about um, how indigenous um, versions of creation is about relationship, not about dominance. And so there it is, a, like it's a beautiful route to, um, to the indigenous culture as a whole and definitely something um, that would be worth picking up as a community for sure. Um, so I'm, I'm gonna close in prayer and um, thank you again, Nicole, for the um, challenge and for shooting right between the eyes. And, um, and I pray that you guys won't go home discouraged by this, but actually inspired to, um, to move in the way that Jesus has asked us. So let's pray. Jesus, thank you for Nicole and for the way she's taken her own history and her own challenges and has used that to bring us difficult truth this morning. I ask that you would ignite change in us, that we would be brave to call out and to toss out, help us to err on the side of love, help us to be inclusive and enveloping and supportive, and most of all, loving. Amen.